Welcome to the Rich Coach Club, the podcast that teaches you how to build your dream coaching practice and how to significantly increase your income. If you're a coach and you're determined to start making more money, this show is for you. I'm Master Certified Life Coach Susan Hyatt, and I'm psyched for you to join me on this journey. You're listening to episode 13. Here we go. Imagine yourself like a big cup, maybe a really fancy cup like a crystal goblet, a cup that's fit for a queen, a cup that's full of energy. When your cup is running low, when you're running low on energy, you can refill your cup by getting a good night's sleep, by eating a nutritious meal, by doing yoga, by taking a few days off of work, by spending time in nature, by doing whatever type of self-care works for you. And when your cup is full, of course, you can pour that beautiful energy into your coaching practice. You can pour it into sessions with your clients, pour it into marketing projects, pour it into growing your practice and reaching your professional and financial goals. But what about when your cup is leaking? What about when your cup has a little crack or a little hole or maybe a big asshole (laughs) and energy keeps leaking out? You're not pouring it out intentionally. No, it's just kind of dribbling out. And no matter how much you stick to your good sleep habits and your good eating habits and all that stuff, you still feel like some of your energy is just circling down the drain. Like somehow it's just slipping away and you just never have enough energy in your cup for all the things you want to do. This is not fun. On today's episode, yep, you guessed it, we're talking about energy leaks. We've all got them. Look, you're listening to this podcast, The Rich Coach Club, because you want to bring your coaching practice and your income to the next level. You want more money flowing into your bank account. You want to be rich, whatever the word rich means to you. And even more importantly, you want to feel rich. You want to feel generous, affluent, powerful, right? In order to bring your coaching practice and your income to that next level, we got to identify those energy leaks and plug that shit right up. No more leakage. I mean, dude, you and I both know it's really hard to rise into the next level of your life when you're dribbling and leaking all over the place. We don't want none of that. By the end of the episode, I want you feeling fired up to make changes and address some of those annoying energy leaks ASAP. To get things started, let's begin with your two-minute pep talk. Here's your two-minute pep talk for the week. This is the part of the show where I share some encouragement and inspiration to get your week started off right. And I try to keep it to 120 seconds or less. What are your energy leaks? What are the activities, habits, behaviors, commitments, obligations, chores, and other aspects of your life that sap away your energy in a really frustrating way. Maybe a few things immediately spring to mind and maybe not. So let's try something together. I'll say a phrase and you fill in the blank. I am so tired of, I wish I didn't have to do what anymore. If I'm being totally honest, I feel resentful about, blank usually leaves me feeling pretty depleted. I often find myself doing blank, 
but I usually regret it and I wish I didn't do that. I'll repeat those phrases again for you just one more time and see if you can fill in the blanks. Don't think about it too hard. Just see what bubbles up in your mind and your heart. And if you find it easier to express yourself in writing, then try jotting down these phrases in a journal and fill in the blanks like that. You can also check out the show notes for the questions. I am so tired of blank. I wish I didn't have to do blank anymore. If I'm being totally honest, I feel resentful about blank. Just FYI, that's always laundry in my world. Blank usually leaves me feeling pretty depleted. I often find myself doing blank, but I usually regret it and I wish I didn't do that. Hopefully, you were able to fill in at least one of those blanks, maybe two, and maybe all five. And well, there you have it. Those are some of your energy leaks. Voila! Leakage discovered. You've just identified a few areas of your life that could be changed, improved, or tightened up in some way or another. And once you do that, oh my gosh, you're going to feel better pretty immediately. So several years ago, I had a realization about one of my own energy leaks. I realized, hey, you know what? I love my kids and I love being a mom. However, I really do not enjoy doing the after-school pickup and carpool and shuttling the kids all around to their sports practice and Muay Thai and music theater rehearsal and whatnot. So I don't enjoy being the family's designated Uber driver. It really drains me. And it's really inconvenient because it usually falls right smack in the middle of my afternoon, which is when I'd rather be working with clients and making money, yo. So I realized that being mom Uber was a major energy leak. So I resolved to change this. And I had a chat with the Silver Fox about it. And together we came up with a new plan. So the first thing we did was we divided up the driving duties between us. And then later we worked it out so that my right hand, my personal assistant, Emily Rosenquist, when she (laughs) became old enough to drive, she helped out with it too. You know, she would help out with the driving occasionally. And we made a plan and we made it work. And let me tell you, with all the energy that I reclaimed and all the time that I reclaimed, I was able to pour all that into my coaching practice. And I was able to line up more clients, develop new programs, and significantly increase my income. I generated way more revenue, enough to pay our amazing right hand, plus way more on top of that. And it was a win-win on so many levels for the whole family. Because let me tell you something, like after-school pickup is gold time. It was a time, especially when my kids were in middle school, when I could get them in the car, they couldn't go anywhere, and they had to talk to me. But my husband got to enjoy some of that too, and a third of the time, we had somebody else doing it. Not only did this change help me start making more money, but my resentment levels went way, way down, which made me a lot more fun as a wife and a mom overall. And I was more present. I was more grateful to spend quality time with my family, like around the dinner table in the evening. And that time felt even more special because it wasn't preceded with those hours of driving and parking and waiting and driving and parking. And you know how it goes. So listen, We all have energy leaks, and sometimes they sneak up on us, and we're barely even aware of it. 
Some of your energy leaks might be too many emails or not getting enough sleep or having that one extra glass of wine at night and waking up feeling a little hungover or watching stressful crime dramas on TV and having nightmares afterwards or doing carpool or something as simple as being dehydrated, all of the above, or something else entirely. I want you to pick one of your energy leaks, any leak that you want, and I want you to resolve to make a plan to fix it ASAP. I'm placing emphasis on the word resolve here because you need to be really committed about this. You won't plug up that energy leak with wishy-washy choices and flimsy boundaries. You need to be firm about this. Just like plugging a leak in a sinking ship. If the Titanic's going down, are you going to plug up that leak with a soft paper towel and then cross your fingers and hope for the best? Hell no. You're going to plug it up with something much stronger than that. And so we need to keep the ship afloat. So be firm about this. The beautiful part is when you deal with one of your energy leaks, even just one right away, you're going to feel better. You'll feel calmer and lighter, happier, less stressed, more focused. It's an immediate upgrade, and it's only going to get better from here. Better and better. Pick one change that you can make and do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can find a way. And yes, you'll be so glad that you did. Now we're moving into the part of the show where I give shout outs to you, shout outs to listeners, clients, all the wonderful people in my business community. And today I want to give a shout out to Marianne Scarrow. So Marianne is one of my bear coaches. She's also a member of the Rich Coach Club private Facebook group. And she posted a quote from the episode that I did. I think it's episode number nine with Molly Mayhar. And uh, she says, have you ever thought about what motivates you as a coach? If you haven't already started listening to the Rich Coach Club podcast, you are missing out. This podcast is like an MBA program on steroids with amazing content that you can start applying to your business today. I just finished listening to Molly Mayhar, creator of Stratajoy, where they talked about different forms of motivation and how staying true to your motivation and having an unshakable belief in your idea is key to your business, plus so much more goodness. Thanks, Susan Hyatt, for putting this greatness out into the world. And now I'm going to check out the church clap song. (laughs) So you guys go listen to that episode if you want to hear what Marianne Scarrow is talking about. And thank you, Marianne, for giving such a beautiful shout out. And hey, if you have something to say about this show, please send an email to my team or post a five-star iTunes review about the show. Post something on social media and you might hear your name on a future episode. I love giving shout outs to folks in my community. So holla at me. Thank you for the love and I love you guys right back. It's time for an interview. And this week we're chatting with Rachel Hart. Rachel is a coach, and she specializes in helping women change their drinking habits. I'm very curious to talk to Rachel about alcohol, because as we all know, alcohol can very quickly swing from being something fun and pleasurable into being a major energy leak. And even if you don't identify as a heavy drinker or an overdrinker, and even if you don't identify as an addict or an alcoholic, 
you might still have days where you notice yourself having just one more glass and then maybe regretting it the following morning. Rachel helps women figure out what's driving them to drink in the first place, and she helps her clients to find other forms of stress relief and pleasure that aren't alcohol-related. She's not advising women to stop drinking completely unless they want to, but rather to create a new relationship with alcohol, one that feels nourishing instead of draining. So I'm stoked to discuss Rachel's work. And of course, I also want to talk to her about getting into the coaching profession, her book, her podcast. And Rachel, quite honestly, is somebody who went from making it really hard to make money as a coach to somebody who makes lots of money as a coach. So I'm going to be really nosy and we're going to talk about what helped her change that. We're going deep. Let's get into this interview. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel Hart. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on for a multitude of reasons, but one of the best reasons is that I've had a front row seat to watch you go from someone who, I'm just going to say it, Rachel, you made it hard for people to give you money, (laughs) (laughs) to being someone who is completely owning it, rocking it out getting major deposits. So when I met Rachel, Rachel already had published a book, had a podcast going. But Rachel, would you agree with my description that it was a little bit of a mystery of how people could pay you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I had, you're right, I had the book, I had the podcast, I had the website, right? I was out there. But I think I was making it a little difficult in part because I still had all these money beliefs that I had not cleaned up on the inside. And so until I really started doing the work there, yeah, it wasn't always something that I made so easy for people to figure out, like, how do I work with this woman? Right. Because people, you have raving fans who listen to your podcast, your book is gold, and people would digest that content, of course, and love it. And then they would go to your website and it was sort of like, well, how how do I get more of Rachel? And it was a little bit of like a a long and winding road to find <laughs> <laughs> to find the place where they could reach out and say like, hey, like, do you take clients? Could I <laughs> could I do something with you? And I remember having that conversation with you, like, listen, you're already doing pretty well, making it difficult. Imagine if it wasn't difficult, what kind of business you could do. And so let's talk about, because I'm sure lots of coaches who are listening to this right now are in the same boat because almost everybody has some money stuff they need to clean up in some way, shape or form. And so at the time, what did we uncover? What did you uncover that you were believing that was holding you back from making it easy? Yeah, I think that there are kind of two important things. One was there's such a difference between putting content out in the world and making offers and running a business. And I think for a while, I didn't understand that distinction. I thought that- Such gold. Wait, wait, wait. Such gold. I love how clear you just said it. There's a difference between putting content out in the world and making offers. Okay, continue. It's huge. It's huge. And you know what? At first, putting content out there for me, that was a big step, 
right? That was something that it didn't necessarily come easily to me. So that was something that I had to work on. But then having a book, having a podcast, having a website, that wasn't enough. And I think I was sitting back telling myself it was enough because to make offers, to do the actual business part of running a business, it meant that I had to really, I had to really confront all these beliefs that I had about money, which was, you know, I grew up in a family that was like, well, we certainly don't ever talk about it, right? You don't ever have conversations about money. Like that's impolite. It's something that you keep to yourself. And if you do talk about it, it was often very much discussed through the lens of, you know, money's kind of bad (laughs) and people who have a lot of money are greedy, right? That alone, I think those two beliefs were real stumbling blocks for me figuring out how to be an entrepreneur all of a sudden. Yes, absolutely. Because I grew up in the South and my mama always said, like, you don't talk about politics, sex or money like you just do not. That's completely impolite. And of course, what do I talk about all the time? (laughs) All All three of those things, but only because, you know, I have come to realize that not talking about those things leads to all sorts of problems when you're in business for yourself. Yeah, I I think it's so interesting to think about the kind of programming that we get from our families and we get from, you know, generations before us, because you grew up in the South. I grew up in New England. And, you know, I, I mean, you've heard me joke about, I just feel like there's kind of Puritan blood just like running through my veins. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I think a part of that is that there really is a mindset that I grew up with that suffering is good. And suffering is a form of virtue, right? And so then, of course, you shouldn't make a lot of money or have a lot of money because then, well, that would get in the way of suffering. And it seems so crazy, but, you know, the more work that I have done to really understand where my money beliefs come from and what kind of thoughts that I have around it, the more I do see that there is a real connection there between this idea of things shouldn't be easy, things should be difficult. If it's difficult, if you're suffering, that means you're doing it right. And so when you see how that's connected to money and having money and making money, you see how these thoughts are in conflict with each other. And that was something I really had to wrestle through and something I had to kind of let go of. Yeah, I think that and maybe what I'll do in the show notes is include I have a money worksheet that for any of you listening, that maybe you're like, wow, I am sure that I grew up with messages like that, and maybe I need to unwind those, I'll include a money worksheet for all of you listening that want to take the time to do that. I do highly recommend it because something for me in terms of my programming with money was similar. And also, I just remember that it was very feast or famine in my house. And my mom when she would sit down to pay the bills, she always did it at the kitchen table. And if you went into the kitchen while she was paying bills, (laughs) like you better exit quick because it was always tense. She was always like, my mom would boast about that, you know, after she paid all of our bills and our school tuition and all that, they had like 50 cents left over. And that that was, she was proud of that. And she stretched and made ends meet, which you know, I'm grateful to my parents for doing that, but there was this certain level of pride in like making it. 
And I noticed that as an adult, like that stuck with me and in the sense that I'm a bootstrapper man, like one of the things in the past couple of years I had to get over with my own business was that I was always so proud of, of running a lean, mean machine over here and that I could do it all myself, Mm -hmm. you know? But I do think that that puritanical, I think about you all the time now when I, when I think of Puritans, because it's that Puritan work ethic, it's that suffering, it's that, you know, salt of the earth kind of vibe that is good in many ways. But the dark side of it was it was really playing into your money mindset with being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important piece is that, you know, I had these thoughts that for a time in my life, they really served me. They were actually helpful. They were really helpful when I graduated from college and I was working at a nonprofit and I was living in New York City and I really had no money. I really had to figure out how to make it work. But then as I started to transition into being an entrepreneur, they just weren't serving me anymore. And that's that's what happens when you start doing this work and exploring your beliefs. You can see okay, these thoughts were helpful. They served me. Maybe they even kept me safe, but now they're holding me back. Now they're not what's going to take me to that next level. They're not going to help me grow my business or not going to help me get to where I want to go. And that's what I could really see that if I wanted to have a business. And for me, you know, when I discovered that I was pregnant, all of a sudden I realized, oh, this has to be something. And I want this to be something that is supporting a family and supporting my child. And that really forced me to look at it in a really different way. And so I had to, I really had to shake loose a lot of those beliefs and understand, okay, so why am I, why am I making money? How is it not a bad thing? How is it not something that, you know, is greedy, but how is it something that's actually not only supporting my family, but I think for me, a big part of it was, you know, I really want to be an example of, what it's capable for women to do and for a mom to do. Yes. And that really has shifted how I see it. I remember when you were pregnant with your daughter and how you were, the conversation was very much like that. Like, well, what would you want your child to see in terms of being a mom? And certainly that's a personal choice for everyone, what they want their child to see and what they want their legacy to be. But part of yours is that. I can be a mom who creates this amazing business and also, you know, there for my family. So it's like super fun to watch you grow and this happen because now, I mean, right, like I can't remember. You're always somebody with workbook spreadsheets and numbers, which is something else I really enjoy about you. What percentage has your business gone up in the past year? It's something crazy. Yeah, it is. I don't know that I have the percentage in front of me, but I mean, I did more in the first five months of 2018 than I did in all of the previous year. Yeah. I mean, so you at least doubled. Oh, yeah. You know, it was. And the only reason I'm asking that is because I really want all of you coaches listening to understand that the difference, right? She had a podcast. She had a book. She had a website. Her content's amazing, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But what helped her grow her business, double her business, was shifting her mindset about what it meant to be a woman earning money. That is so powerful. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think a big piece of that mindset shift for me is that 
you know, I started getting Ms. Magazine when I was 11. (laughs) (laughs) I was really young. I always called myself a feminist. I was always really into, you know, girls can do anything and women can do anything. And I went to a women's college that, you know, their whole kind of mission is about really educating women that make a difference in the world. And I think, you know, part of what switched for me is that for a long time, I really wanted, I wanted people to recognize, Hey, I can do anything. I'm capable of anything. I want you to recognize my capability. And what switched was understanding that setting a a big, scary money goal with my business, it actually was about me showing what I was capable of doing and really creating. And instead of kind of saying, Hey, I want you to recognize me and you to recognize what I'm capable of and see me as an equal. I was like, no, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> let's do just set this, yeah. Like, let's just set this goal. Let's just show what I'm capable of. And that I think was a really huge shift for me that was really powerful. And I see my money goals now in terms of that showing what I can go out and create in this world is really kind of the most feminist thing that I can do. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about your work because I love your niche, which is you help people how to stop over drinking. And I think that this is such a powerful niche because what I observe, you know, over the past decade, it's been really interesting to see how our culture is really targeting women in a way that I think is new, that it's like females over drinking is big business. And, you know, you could embroider kitchen towels that say like, you know, it's wine time and like, here's my mommy juice. And I mean, it's exploded. If you go on Etsy and just type in like mom wine, the amount of products (laughs) being made, it's crazy. And so you noticed how many years ago did you start to decide for yourself? Like, Hey, I think drinking too much is an issue. So interesting because I mean, I, I think probably when I turned 22 (laughs) was the first time. So, you know, I started drinking in college, right? When I got there, I was 17. That was really kind of my first introduction. And I immediately was like, oh, this is how I feel confident and at ease. And I don't have to listen to all the judgments in my head and I can just be fun. Right. I had no, I had so much insecurity, so much anxiety. I felt awkward, especially in social situations. And so drinking for me became the way that I learned unknowingly to cope with all of those emotions, which, you know, temporarily may have, may have succeeded, but of course had repercussions with it. And so, you know, I decided in my twenties, like something just doesn't feel right about this. I don't like that. I feel like I have more desire than some of my friends. I don't like that. I feel like I need it, that I can't go into social situations. I can't make friends or meet guys or be myself without a drink in my hand. But I had so much shame around it. I didn't really want to talk to anyone about it. And so all throughout my twenties, I would flip flop between 
okay, well, I'm going to just take it out, right? I'm so sick of the repercussions. I'm sick of the hangovers. I'm sick of worrying about what I did or said last night. And so I would take it out. And all I knew how to do was use willpower. And of course, it didn't reveal to me how actually the habit was working. It didn't help me find new ways to cope with the emotions that I was using a drink to cope with. And so I was so frustrated. I really spent, you know, all of my 20s back and forth feeling so frustrated and so alone and trying to figure this out, but not being able to really figure out anything other than, well, I just have to grit my teeth and grin and bear it, you know, like really do it the the Puritan way. <laughs> just suffer. <laughs> just suffer. I notice that with so many people is that, you know, I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, you know, I took a break from drinking and I feel physically healthier, but I feel like I'm missing out on life. I don't feel like things are as fun. I'm isolating. And that's where I was for so long. I didn't want to just feel physically good and suffer and feel like I was missing out. And so it was something that I struggled with really for over a decade until I understood the connection between how I was using a drink and, and, and reaching for a glass as a way to really cope with how I was feeling on the inside. And once I made that shift, that was really transformative. So amazing. And so clients come to you and these are people who maybe a 12-step program isn't right for them. They don't necessarily need to go into rehab, but they just notice that like you, they have been using alcohol as a crutch for way too long. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, a lot of times they'll come to me and they'll just say, you know, I don't like the repercussions, right? I don't like the weight gain. I don't like waking up feeling foggy in the morning. I don't like that my kids are seeing that every night I always open up a bottle of wine when I start cooking dinner. I don't like feeling like it's a habit right? I don't like that 5 p.m. rolls around and my brain is already like, hey, do we have wine? Is there wine in the fridge? Are we having something tonight? You know, they start to notice that the brain is desiring it more because of course they've taught the brain to expect it. And I think that's one of the big misconceptions about when we talk about any kind of struggle with alcohol, we in society talk about it in this very black and white narrative, right? So either you're an alcoholic and you, you know, you need to go to rehab. You need to, you know, just admit that your brain has a disease, right? Or you're a normal drinker. You don't have any problem. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of shades of gray. There's a lot of in between there between I'm a normal drinker and I'm physically dependent on a substance. There's a lot of shades of gray that I think a lot of people, myself included, weren't being served, right? And that I think is, to me, is something that's so frustrating for me and why I think, you know, the work that I do is so important because I find so many people coming to me that just, there just aren't any resources for them. Mm. I know. I absolutely love this niche for that reason, because I definitely have plenty of clients who fall into that gray category. And I think that this whole episode is is talking about energy leaks and over drinking, of course, can be one of them. But even if you listening to this don't feel like you have an issue with over drinking, I actually would challenge everybody listening to pay attention, because I think that If there's an expectation, like every time book club gets together, we're having mimosas or every time, you know, the weekend rolls around, there's an expectation that alcohol will be involved. I I just want to challenge everybody listening to just eavesdrop on yourself, pay attention 
Do you feel like you have to have it? And if yes, why? Or do you feel like it's not as much fun if you don't? Right? Because a lot of people say like, well, I don't have to, right? But then I'll be bored. (laughs) And then I won't be as talkative. It won't be as enjoyable. And then that's really interesting to pay attention to. Like, well, well, why? Why is that? You know, I mean, I also think just paying attention to what is it in your life that you overdo? So some people, it's not over drinking, it's overeating, overspending, overworking. There's so many things that we do, so many kind of behaviors that we find to engage in that we overdo. And the question is, well, why are you overdoing it? And I think once you start to dig below the surface, you'll see it really is about finding ways to cope with what we feel uncomfortable with. Absolutely. I mean, and it's interesting in my work with food and body that if someone is either depriving themselves or overindulging, that tends to carry through in other areas of their lives. And oh, so, right, like, so how you eat is how you live, how you drink can be how you live. And it's, it's really fascinating to see, like, yes, why are you doing those things? What are you running from, numbing, hiding? And the answer typically scares people. So it's like they may stop drinking and then they find themselves gambling or, you know, or shopping or surfing online or whatever it might be. So really work. I'll tell you, and this was true for me and it is true for really almost all of my clients that we talk about alcohol. It's such a siloed area in society, right? We don't talk about it and it's connection to these kind of over things that we do, right? And so I understood alcohol just as this problem unto itself. And I would take a break from drinking and I would just use willpower. And then I didn't understand at the time, but then I would find myself eating more and I would find myself working more. So there was this connection there, but I didn't understand it. And what happens for so many people is they just take out one thing, one behavior, one activity, one substance, and unknowingly substitute something else. And so overeating becomes a big thing for a lot of women that I work with. So they'll say, okay, well, yeah, I don't have to drink. But then if I take out my evening five o'clock glass of wine, all of a sudden I realize that I'm just opening the fridge and taking out whatever I can find there. And that's just, you know, substituting one problem for another. Absolutely. And it's, You know, all of these leaks that we're talking about, it's just really interesting to think about, like, if you ask the questions, if you do the work, if you plug the leak, so to speak, what can happen in your business and in your life? And so, Rachel, I'm curious if people listening, of course, there will be a bazillion of them, want to find out more about you and want to learn more about what you have to offer. I think you have a new program coming up. I do. I have a program called the six week solution, which is basically all my best coaching materials put together so that you can really learn how to take a different kind of break, a break that will actually help you not only understand the habit, but what we've been talking about today, what's really going on. Let's look a little bit deeper and not just have it be, did I say yes to a drink or did I say no to a drink? And in January, I'm going to be doing a live version of that program. So I'll actually be walking people through it. I'll be there with you, coaching you along with it. So that's going to be really amazing. And I encourage people to go check that out. Nice. Well, of course, we'll put all those deets in the show notes. But 
Rachel, if people want to hang out with you online or in the interwebs, what's the best route for them? We're going to make it easy. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a podcast called Take a Break from Drinking, where I have new episodes every Tuesday. And that really is if you're interested in this topic, if you want to learn more, if you want to really just consider your drinking in a different light, that really is the best place to find me. So you can either head on over to my website and find it there or just go to iTunes and uh, type in Take a Break from Drinking. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. I am I can hear leaks being plugged all over the world. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. What a fab interview. I just love how Rachel has designed a coaching practice that's built around one very specific issue, women and alcohol. I'm not that type of coach. My business covers several areas and topics, not just one. But it's seriously sexy when you can find one specific area and really dive in deep. For some coaches, like Rachel, that works really beautifully. Okay, I've got one more quick thing to add before we wrap up in this episode. All throughout the show today, we've been talking about energy leaks. Sometimes energy leaks can be fixed instantaneously. Like maybe you realize, hey, The harsh lighting in this office is hideous, and it's seriously bumming me out. Okay, well, then change the light bulbs, add a soft bulb, take a few candles in there, boom, lighting problem solved. Instant, done, easy. But sometimes, energy leaks can't be fixed in a single hour or a single week. Sometimes the energy leak is a bit more complex, and maybe it's an ex-husband that you need to communicate with regularly because you have joint custody or something like that. Something that's a little bit more complicated than just changing the lighting. So this type of situation might feel disheartening because you might be thinking, I know this is a huge energy leak for me, but it's one that's just not going away anytime soon. If that's your situation, I want to encourage you to keep plugging up that energy leak as best you can. Maybe you can't plug it up 100%, but you can get 80 or 85% or even 90%. And wow, that's going to make a world of difference for your energy levels. Maybe you can't make your ex-husband vanish from the face of the earth, but you can set new boundaries with him. You can see a coach or a therapist to help boost your mental health. You can change your thoughts and try to adopt a fresh attitude about that situation. You can do a lot of things to work on this energy leak, and you can make a lot of improvements. Remember that. No matter what the situation is, and no matter how big the leak may be, there's always a way to reduce the amount of leakage that's happening. Keep going. Keep working. Keep improving. Every little drop of energy that you can reclaim and keep inside your cup instead of having it dribble out, it all helps. Every drop helps. And sometimes making a plan to resolve the energy leaks feels liberating in and of itself, even if it's a long-term plan, a five-year plan to gradually resolve this energy leak. Just having a plan and knowing that you're moving in the right direction, whoosh, I mean, it can feel so good. All of this is to say, if you're dealing with a big, hairy, complicated energy leak, I am sending love and strength to you and I'm cheering for you. I know you're capable of handling this. And even if it takes a long time to resolve things, it's so worth the effort. And 
you're going to keep feeling better and better as you continue moving in the direction you want. So keep going. Keep your cup as full as you possibly can. You are worth the effort. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And after listening to today's episode, I hope you're feeling curious about what your energy leaks might be. Maybe you've already got a pretty clear idea, and that's great. Your homework, of course, is to work on fixing one of your energy leaks. Anything you want, big or small, stop the leak. Make the change. Reclaim your energy as best you can. And then... Pour all of that powerful energy that you've reclaimed into meaningful experiences and projects, like doubling your coaching revenue, or writing your next book, or launching a podcast, or launching a new service or program, or whatever you want to do with your beautiful life and your beautiful work. All right, thank you so much for listening to Susan Hyatt's Rich Coach Club. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to shyatt.com forward slash rich, where you'll find a free worksheet with audio called three things you can do right now to get more clients. You can download the worksheet and the audio, print it out. There's a fun checklist for you to check off. Just three things to do. Check, check, checkity check. This worksheet makes finding clients feel so much simpler and not so scary. So head to shyatt.com forward slash rich to get that worksheet. Over there, you're also going to find a free Facebook group you can join, especially for coaches. Bring your coaching practice and your income to the next level at shyatt.com. That's S-H-Y-A-T-T dot com. See you next week. Bye.